Hello, Salon Sleuth fans. My name is Melissa and my co-host is Leslie. We decided we wanted to share our salon stories. We both have an interest in crime stories and a fascination with the psychic world. So settle in each week as we share another story with you. Who knows, you might even learn something. Today on our show, we have Autumn Edwards. She is a friend. I originally met her when I booked an appointment for a medical intuitive reading. And since then, um, she has become a licensed acupuncturist. She does Chinese medicine. She does intuitive psychic readings. She does medical readings and a lot of different ways of energy healing. She has even gone to one of my friend's house and um, my friend had some some activities, some spirits in her home. And she did a clearing and also taught us along the way of how we could do it ourselves. So she was amazing. There's lots of ways to get a hold of her. She has um, a website. It's anahatamedicine.com. You spell that A-N-A-H-A-T-A medicine.com. Her phone number is 503-709-6226. Or her email is anahata dot medicine at yahoo.com and here is autumn edwards hello hi autumn i've heard so much about you hi melissa thank you i i presume all positive things considering it's from leslie (laughs) (laughs) it absolutely is i actually probably heard of you a couple years ago i think when you were first coming in or something because we like to chat about the paranormal when we're when I'm getting my nails done, and I think she knows that I'm I enjoy that kind of stuff. So it was always interesting to hear about you. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank because you. Because that's really how it started between the yes, two of us. I had come true. to her at a reading in Northwest Portland, right? And um, of course, I left thinking that I had a secret. You know, <laughs> like nobody else knew, and I was like, I felt like I was on fire, and. Honestly, when I left, I felt like everything was brighter and that um, like a whole new world kind of opened up. And I left thinking like, oh, my gosh, like I have like a secret superpower, you know. You do. And then I think later that night or even the next day, I contacted you because I wanted to do a pedicure because I wanted to know you more. Oh, yeah, I, m- I remember the whole experience. Yeah. And so and when I say the whole experience, like I remember I remember you as a person. I remember how connected I felt to you. I don't recall like the information that comes through yeah. during the channel because it's not like mine. It's yeah. this other source, right? So that I don't recall. But everything else yeah. was awesome. Like yeah. I just was like, this is an amazing woman and I'm so excited to know her. So, so. so Autumn, on that kind of note, like do you, um, can you tell when other people are open to that energy or does it, is it just kind of random? I think it's more random. I, I've gotten to a point now where I just don't preoccupy myself with uh, concern about whether or not somebody's open to it. It's such a big part of my life yeah. that if I bring it forward, I bring it forward. And if they receive it, great. And if they don't, great. Um, what's interesting is that people often ask me, like, how do you tell people? And they must you know, you must get a lot of negative reactions. And the truth is like more people than not are super excited about it and they want to know more. And I've only ever had one adverse reaction when it came forward about like 
my spiritual practice or my position with my relationship with God. So, um, and that says a lot over the last, I don't know, 15 plus years that I've been practicing. So I think people are believers. Well, and, and Autumn, that kind of brings up like to me, isn't it your mom who also has the, the, these abilities? Yeah. So my mom has been doing psychic readings, uh, for at least 10, 20, I think 30 years now, but I didn't even know about it until after I was grown and moved out of the house. Well, and that's how I originally heard about you because of your mom. Okay. And then through Brandy in the salon, there's Autumn. And I was like, what? And then (laughs) my client who's been on our show multiple times, Karen, Mm -hmm. she also comes to you often. And so I think just the combination, it was it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I was going to meet you eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you, you said that one person that didn't, wasn't open to that. Uh-huh. Did they not know you ahead of time? Because I would think that if anybody. It's a family member. Oh, it's a family member. Yeah. Okay. But that's, just, that's pretty surprising. <laughs> yeah. I, and it's fine. I mean, the family member, you know, they love me and everything like that. It's yeah. not a personal thing. It's yeah. just, it's more like they're praying for my sinful ways. doing <laughs> <laughs> what they would call not right like against like like heretical like heretical or you know dancing with the devil and I just think it's interesting because um uh like if you want to talk about the bible and how it was written like those people were prophets and those people were quote psychics right and so I think it's um humorous yeah to think that we're the only individuals who have direct access to God who have a direct relationship with the divine um but you know I I love that person and it's not a topic that's discussed when we're around one another so it's fine (laughs) well it's interesting Autumn because Leslie and I have had this conversation on the show actually and that it's so interesting to us that people do not see those prophets as being psychics and how we're like, Hey, it is no different. It's actually the same thing. I think they really think they had that physical conversation with that, with God or with Jesus or whatever. And it's so interesting to us that we're like, okay, call it a prophet or call it a psychic. It's all the same thing. Mm -hmm. Especially if it comes from the same place. Yeah. You know, there's probably people who are psychic who get their information from something else, mm-hmm. but most people believe they get it from a higher source, mm-hmm. God, whatever you want to call it. Right. It's all, I mean, as long as you believe that, then I think it's all coming from the good. Yeah. I mean, everyone's different and we all have a different upbringing and we're, we all kind of inherit our faith. You know, you mm-hmm. come across the, the small population that, um, convert to a different, um, religion, but for the most part, we're born into whatever religion we have. And we're, we are groomed from a very young age to believe in whatever it is that our community believes in. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's just this really like integral dogmatic thought process that we are conditioned to own as truth. And, and it's difficult to see beyond that when it's such an ingrained integral part of your entire livelihood. Um, and also different sects of different religions have different, you know, positions like the, the Mormons, they believe in psychics and prophets. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
you know, and but I know that some people whom I'm close to who grew up Baptist in the South, it, you know, that might be considered heretical. So, you know, it's everyone is it, it's just different. And yeah. I, it, I don't think you can ever lump any experience or any person into one category or one phenomenon. I think it's going to be variable with each individual because everyone has their own personal relationship with God. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, let's talk about who you are. Okay. Tell me, um, so I went to your website. You have a list of all kinds of things that you do. Right. I know what I came to you originally for, mm-hmm. but you have grown for as a person mm-hmm. since I first met you. Right. So let's start from the beginning, and then let's go to who you are now, if you wouldn't mind explaining some of that. Sure. So over 40 years ago, there was a man and a woman, <laughs> and they fell in love. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Did they fall in love? And they're I, still like, I, they did fall in love. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, I was born and raised in the Portland metropolitan area. Um, I'm a third generation Portlander, possibly five or six generation Oregonian. Um, so some deep roots here. Uh, raised Christian, raised going to a Lutheran church uh, twice a week, every Wednesday, every Sunday. And um, at one point in time, my mom was like, coming to my siblings and I and saying, do you want to go to church anymore? We all said no. And she all asked for our reasons. We all gave her our answers and we stopped going to church. And as an adult, even it was actually recently, I found out why she had chosen not to go to church. And you know, that, that's, that's her story. Um, but we, we stopped when I was about 14 and, um, my whole life growing up, I, I prayed and I had a close relationship with God and I always felt there was something more that I couldn't access easily. Like I always felt it, I could always sense it, but it was like, how, how do I get from here where I'm at, where I feel separate from it to where I don't feel separate from it. And so, um, as a teenager, I went to my mom and I was like, what is, what is this? And she gave me a book <laughs> it was, um, called Ask Your Angel. I forget the author. Um, and it was a book about um, the order of, of the angelic realm and how to meditate to connect with um, angels and your, your guardian angels. And from there, I just started meditating and um, started astral projecting. And, you know, as you move from adolescence and um, your period of being a juvenile into adulthood, there's some transitions that happen, and so my spiritual practice went to the wayside for the beginning of my adulthood, and then had some rough lessons, and did what I had to do, and then came back to it in my mid-twenties. Um, started meditating three times a day, started getting like information about people, and then I was uh, reading a book in a, a bookstore that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I saw a flyer on a three-day workshop on how to do a traditional spirit journey to meet your, your spirit guides and your power animals. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. So I did that. And I learned a traditional, like, indigenous spirit journey. And I communicated with my spirit guides. And once that happened, like, everything kind of took off. Once I knew how to get to that place that I've always felt, but I didn't know how to get there, I was like seeing information about people, um, not necessarily willy nilly, but like um, 
Was I, it like a guided meditation that got you there? It was, it was. It was a guided meditation. It's not even a guided meditation. It's kind of like you set an intention. You, in your mind, go to the sacred place that you create, um, which is a real place on earth. Um, it has to be someplace that's special to you. Okay. Or meaningful. Yeah. And through that space, you create some sort of portal and you move between the upper and the middle and the lower worlds to communicate with spirit guides. Um, so I didn't know that you went to that place every time to connect to the spirit world. So is that what you're telling me? Um, that's where I began. There's multiple dimensions, multiple places, spaces, and times. And that is just one avenue to a particular dimension. And I'm guessing the more you practice, you won't have to go to those extents to connect. Right. And so I don't even do that anymore unless I feel called specifically to go to the lower world or the middle world or the upper world. Um, And I would say that the upper world can be similar to, I don't know, the heavens, if you want to compare it to that, but it's it's, it's really different. And I started doing readings for friends and then friends referred me to other friends and friends referred me to other friends. And then um, the more I did it, the more I meditated, the more I realized I didn't need to journey. It was just automatically coming whenever I would get in alignment with someone. And so then I started being taught by different spirit guides that would start coming to me. And now um, all that I do, I just like kind of open up my energy field. I pray, I call in protection, I call in spirit guides, I connect with the person and just information flows automatically. So I don't have to, at this point in my practice, make an intentional spiritual journey. Um, it was just kind of the kind of like floodgate that allowed me to get to where I needed to be in order to get to where I wanted to go. Um, and as my process evolved, um, I was able to see people's energies um, with my psychic vision. I could do medical intuitive information and then I could see people's chakras. And then I, I one time had a woman come in to, to get a reading. She's like, well, I came to see you because I wanted to communicate with my husband who recently departed. I'm like, oh, well, I, I don't do that. I'm sorry. And then all of a sudden, he's there and he's telling me like very specific things. I'm like, ah, uh, <laughs> so, okay, what about this? And she's like, oh my God, that's totally him. So things just evolved. So the more you're in that frequency, the more you're in that space, the more comes to you. The greater you open up, the more your vibration expands and can also contain. Um so it just kind of evolved from there, and I was, you know, in and out of college throughout my entire, you know, early adulthood, and I did, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I kind of fell into Chinese medicine, and then I became a licensed acupuncturist, and so I blend in my practice of Chinese medicine with the spiritual stuff, so you can come in and get a reading and acupuncture at the same time. Like you might think you're coming in for one thing and mm-hmm. it could totally turn into something different. Yeah. And, and do you tell people that like coming yeah. in, like, I really think you would benefit from this instead of this. Right. So, um, people will come in and, um, they're like, well, what should I expect? I'm like, I don't know. It's different every time. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just figure it out. Do they um, come in with an intention? Like this has been bothering me. Yeah, they do. And then it changes. So sometimes they come in with an intention. Sometimes they come in just being like, I just saw your website and I knew I needed to see you. I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. Let's figure yeah. it out. Um, 
So, um, and when I have clients that are regular clients, like Karen, you brought up, like, I kind of just, when she gets here, I'm just like, what do you want to do today? What are we talking yeah. about? And she's like, yeah. oh, I thought, that. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. So, um, so it, it, it is individual. It is unique. Um, and with this type of work that I've done, like what's evolved is I kind of specialize in trauma. So that's what has been really interesting is that my spirit guides have pretty much taught me everything that I know from shamanic soul retrievals to narrative rewrites to uh, renegotiating soul contracts to um, working in the Akashic records to healing um, ancestral trauma, healing karma. Um, I've done Sorry, tools from future timelines, which is always interesting. It's it's really fun. so. What kind of trauma are you looking at here? Anything? Everything. Okay. So the benefit of being acupuncturist is I have the the education, the experience, and the skills to be able to treat like musculoskeletal or biochemical or physiological uh, trauma that we can help to reset and reorganize in the body. You you also rattled off like I don't know how many things, six or seven things that I don't think most of our listeners even know what they mean so a soul retrieval is um if you think about our souls our souls are eternal and infinite we are fractals of god compressed into this body to have this experience that we call life and the whole purpose of this experiment if you want to call it that is to expand the consciousness of the collective to expand the consciousness of god god is the overarching awareness of all that is we are all composites of god and because we are all composites of god we all have the same capacities and abilities and functions of god we just through this filtered experience of humanity forget that we we have those capacities and those abilities and those functions. So when we experience something, it, it interacts with our soul and our spirit. It's all vibrational medicine. It's all vibrational experiences. It's all energy exchanges. So when we go through a traumatic event, like everything else, it has a vibration or frequency associated with it. So when we're traumatized, that vibration hits our soul. And so when, when we feel hurt, we feel that, right? We feel it in our chest. We feel it in our belly. We feel it in our throat. We feel it somewhere. And if that vibration of that trauma is strong enough, um, it can fracture our soul. And that soul fracture can even break away and get lodged in the infinite time loop of that experience because time is just a dimension that overlays our reality. God and the universe and our souls don't exist within time. We are timeless. So time is just a way to capture a moment. And so our broken soul part will be lodged in that moment perpetually throughout time while we as a soul body connection living under the, the dimension of, of a space-time continuum move linearly um, we might go through therapy, we might go through physical therapy, we might go through, you know, whatever it is that we go through to heal from whatever our, our past experiences are, but that piece of us is still lodged in a loop on repeat of I'm being traumatized, I'm being traumatized, I'm being traumatized, I'm being traumatized over and over and over again. And so you don't have the capacity to fully heal 100% when a piece of you is reliving that event, event eventually, um, infinitely. So... That's when you witness people who don't ever get over, you know, a, a death in the family or don't ever get over an accident or don't ever get over, you know, an assault or something to that effect that they're, they're stuck there. So with spirit guides, with your own higher consciousness, with my ability to interpret that information, I'm able to move 
consciously through space and time, extract that soul piece from that event, heal it, bless it, return it back to the person and integrate it back so that they can actually heal completely, not just cognitively. So then that can shift how they react and respond to things, how they can change their vibration so they can attract different things into their lives. So that's one phenomenon of, of healing that I am able to facilitate in my practice. You describe things very visually. Do you mm-hmm. see them visually? You said you take out the broken piece, you described doing something to it, and then you put it back in. So you described it very visually. I'm a visual person. So I was like right there with you. And I've never heard somebody, especially from the spirit world, talking about it so visually. Do you see it visually? Do you see this thing? You said do you hear the auras? You are so astute. That is the first time anyone has mentioned that. And yes, it's like 3D visualization for me. It's like um, like anime. It's super visual. And I'm a visual learner. Like I can visual, I can learn in all faculties, but like really if I see it, I got it. If I hear it, I might have to listen to it a few times before I get it. Um, so yeah, I'm a very visual person. Okay. That, it, you said it so visually that I really felt like you, you must see it. About it. Yeah. 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 You know, we're on the same wavelength. We're right yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> There's this whole um, code of ethics for energy workers and psychics. Like you don't do anything without somebody's consent. Um, I can't even tell you how many times I've worked on people without them ever knowing it. And it's not because I'm trying to be sneaky or deceptive it's because a lot of times people don't know how to ask for help or they don't know they need for help and so I bypass their human consciousness and I go straight to their higher consciousness and I'm like higher consciousness of person you know a may I please work on your field so that you can be happier and healthier and better and I will only do that which is within your highest benefit and I have only been told no twice ever Whoa, you're blowing my mind. So if I came to you and I said, hey, my best friend is stuck with A, B, and C, bad lover, whatever, you could you could actually reach out to their higher consciousness? Yeah. So, so like, the person that you got the no, it, it wasn't like a physical no, it was their spiritual their psychic no. Okay. no yeah. And it was very clear. It was, it was like, like, oh yeah, I can't, I can't work with this person. And that's fine. And some people, you know, if they have their own spiritual practice and they're very versed in the etheric realms, they have such strong protective fields up that even if it is within their higher self to work with them, I, I can't access them. But, and again, that's very unusual, but it, it does happen. And, and their higher self is like, no, we're good with it. They're just, they've made a choice that they're not going to receive this. I'm like, okay. Okay. So Autumn, off topic slightly, I know you're still going through these amazing superpowers that you have, but does this ever, when you just listen to yourself go, whoa. Yeah. Um, and I, and thank you for, for the, the flattery of calling superpowers, but really this is something that all of us can do. It's, no, not all of us have the ability at this point. <laughs> Autumn. Right. Right. So it's a compared to like playing a piano, right? Any person, you know, can sit down and hit the keys on the piano, but not everyone is like able to sit down and play masterfully. Right. So some people are born, a Mozart or born a Bach and they have that natural affinity and they just go in that direction. And some of us are athletes, but we also love music. So we're going to put in the time, put in the effort, do the lessons, and we're going to learn to play masterfully. 
but we may never fully achieve to be a Bach or a Mozart, but we can play all their music well. Um, so it's everyone has their own gifts and their own talents, um, and everyone has the capacity to do this. It's really just about putting the time and the energy into the effort into developing this, the skill set, basically. And then also your natural affinity is like, how easily does it come to you? Um, just like anything else, whether it's, you know, whether you're an intellect studying math, whether you're, you know, a baseball player, whether you play a musical instrument, everyone, everyone has their own affinity for it's different. So I have always had this theory and I'd like to run this by you. Um, people who are savants or like, you know, they're three and they're playing Bach or Mozart or whatever, like Mozart, sorry, I think I said Kark, Mark. Anyways, um, <laughs> that they don't get completely erased when they come back down. Like, they had this in a past life, like they had this ability and now they've come back down in a new body and they just weren't completely erased. Do you think that's at all true? I've never had anybody agree with me. I think that's 100% true. Um, I, it, so it's kind of a common knowledge and I don't, I don't know of a source where this originated from, but we all have a pretty direct connection with God until about three. Once we hit about three, that starts to dissipate a little bit. And and I personally, my theory is that that has to do with, it's around three that we become fluent in language, right? So we no longer have to depend upon emoting our needs, emoting our communication. And um, the language of God is emotion. And so if you're a, a toddler and you're not fluent in, in language yet, your primary mode of communication is the same mode of communication as, as the heavens, as, as God in the universe. So I sense that the reason why we lose that, that spontaneous, clear, direct connection to God around age three is because we shift the, the mode of our communication. Um, but yeah, I absolutely think that they're coming in with their memories intact. In fact, I have a, I have a client who contacted me recently saying, um, so my child just told me in their previous life that they were a person, you know, X. And that when they're a person X, they did X, Y, and Z, and yada, yada. And so my client looked up that individual, was a real person, did the things that their three or four-year-old was telling them that they were doing. Then this person, while they were looking up the individual their child had told them they were, had a picture of, of that individual, and their child came up to them and said, oh yeah, that's me. But I think that 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 because the consciousness is elevating and shifting so much so radically right now, I think the newer generations are coming in automatically at that, that elevated um, vibration and consciousness, and they are coming in fully intact with their memories. So, so you actually think it's a generational thing. You think people are more open to it now than say a hundred years ago. Um, I think it's a spiritual thing. I don't necessarily, okay. I think that we're seeing it in the generation because of the evolution of our consciousness. So we're in a state of consciousness and spiritual evolution right now that will allow our generations coming in to hold on to those previous memories, where they think the vibration and the consciousness that we had a hundred years ago wouldn't, wouldn't allow for that. Um, and even if you were to do um, like an autopsy of the human brain right now, the, the physiological components of the brain today is, is different than the physiological components of a brain 150 years ago. Our brain is radically changing. 
So even on a, on, on a physical spectrum, we're radically um, evolving exponentially. Do I think that children have the capacity to come in fully um, connected with, with memories of previous lives? I mean, sure, I think anything's possible. I just don't think it was prevalent 15, 20 years ago. I don't think it's that as a society, um, we're more nurturing of a phenomenon. I just think that the phenomenon is more prevalent and therefore, and, and it's more prevalent because we are more we are more open. So I don't think it was as prevalent 20 years ago. I think it's more prevalent now and I think it's more prevalent now because of the elevated consciousness. Okay. Um, so I can't I'm say so technical. Like I, I yeah. want to figure it out. I want like, so I, it's hard for me to like see it more visually mm -hmm. and in the bigger picture. Right. And I'm trying to like, and, and I've just realized this, I should have known this about myself all along. <laughs> and I think that's why it's so difficult for me to really understand it all. Another phrase that as you're getting older, I say, if you don't use it, you lose it. And then like, as kids get older, they're either socialized not to listen to it or you know they just evolve but they stop they stop honing that or they or they never do hone it from the time they come in is that, there's a there's a huge spectrum of how that presents so some children shut it down because it's not nurtured but they always feel it they always sense it and then it it manifests in things like social anxiety um depression and anxiety um, some sort of mental health disorder, some sort of learning disorder. So when they are forced to suppress all of these things that they feel and all these things that they're experiencing because their family unit or their community or their society cannot help them integrate that, it manifests in all of these other dysfunctions. Um, or, you know, parents say, oh, that's just your imagination, or oh, that's not real, or, or we do, don't do that, and then the children just ignore it and block it out, and then they proceed as a happy, healthy kid, not paying attention to that. Well, and that to, your point, to your point, Autumn, um, I have long believed that um, we tell our kids, especially our girls, be nice, be nice. You know, my daughter would just have, she just has really strong gut reactions towards people, towards situations, and I, for some reason, read something a long time ago that, you know, that could be her gut keeping her safe. And, you know, that she should embrace that. If she doesn't feel comfortable with somebody or somebody's around and she doesn't feel comfortable, she should not just play nice because she's a girl and that's what she's supposed to do. She should trust her gut. And if her gut says, you know what, I don't want to be around this person, get away from that person. Too often we say, well, that's not being, you're being rude. That's not nice. Um, I think what I'm hearing you say is those things, as we nurture children, sometimes we're turning off their intuitive side because it doesn't fit our idea of politeness or kindness or um, whatever. Um, on a general, just a glossed over direct answer, yes, that's true. Um, but then you also have to, you know, as a parent, be mindful of like, how much of this is, is my daughter, you know, picking up on this is just this one person or these like individual, like random moments. And, but yet she's socializing really well in other situations or how much of this is just like downright 
lack of social interaction, her totally shutting down when she's, you know, asked to engage in normal um, dynamics. And so that's when you have to balance as a parent, right? Like paying yeah. attention to like how much of this is a dysfunction and how much of this is her intuition coming into play and being able to make safe choices for herself. So, you know, uh, direct answer. Yes, that's correct. More, more nuances. Like you just, as a, as a person, even whether it's your own child, whether it's with an, another adult, you just have to pay attention to like the whole picture. And, um, it's not clear cut is what you're saying. Right. It's not clear cut. You, you have to ask, you have to be inquisitive and you have to ask questions. You have to be like, okay, why are you doing this? Or why is this happening? Or why are you reacting this way? And you want to ask the kids and it could be something as like, you know, if you're like, Hey, why don't you want to play with this person? Like, Oh, because you know, I just don't like them. Well, can you tell me why? And like, if it's like, well, because they wouldn't give me a cookie. Well, okay. Well now you're just, you're just doing that. <laughs> right that's not an intuition thing that's just like you're just mad (laughs) so um so that's when you have to just be really exploratory right so so let's talk about um how did you know that you wanted to become do acupuncture how did that how did that lead from where you were Mm -hmm. because you were successful in that Mm -hmm. and then to where you are now and what you actually do in these she has two different offices two different rooms that she's working in this really nice building Towards downtown Portland, mm-hmm. and um, I want to know the majority of what people come to you for. Okay, and um, talk about like like the different services that you provide here in your offices. Okay, my the evolution of my spiritual practice and, and services evolved while I was pursuing my education in Chinese medicine. So I started doing readings around age twenty seven. And I was finishing my undergrad. Actually, I graduated my undergrad in uh, when I was 31 or 32. And so that's when I was like still doing it for friends and working in corporate world. And um, I wanted to be a naturopathic doctor. That's yeah. what I really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and... You should do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's Thanks. just more school and more money. <laughs> it's just more amazing. Right. Um, so I wanted to be a naturopathic doctor, um, which I didn't even know was an option to me. So like when I was 18, I was on my way home from work and I took the bus and I had to transfer and I had an hour and a half delay between the next bus. So I went into what was wild oats back then, which then later became what is now new seasons. Um, which was originally, uh, nature's. Was it Nature's First and then Wild Oats? Yeah. Okay. Because so, I worked there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I worked in a spa there. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So, um, so, and I'd never been in a Wild Oats before and I was like, I'll get like something to drink and a snack and whatever. And then there was a whole book section. And back then I, I still don't even own a television. I was always reading a book. So I went to the book section and I saw how like this herb treats acne and this herb treats asthma and this herb treats us. And I was fascinated and I ended up being in the store for four hours. <laughs> Just reading all of this stuff. (laughs) And then I was like, crap. So then I got a cab home because there was no more buses. So um, (laughs) anyways, um, I didn't know that a naturopathic doctor was a a thing. And so I was just going to school. I I had several majors like electrical engineering, math, biology, business accounting. I had several um, uh, incarnations. Yeah, I'm very science founded. Like my my strengths has always been in science. and so then I finally discovered I want to be a naturopath. And so I was trying really hard to go to like get what I needed to get done in undergrad in order to go to, you know, doctorate school. 
and I went to interview with the um, the admissions office with NUNM, and um, they're like, yeah, why don't you come in, and why don't you shadow a, a clinic shift, and um, so I did, and I was a junior at Portland State, and all of the doctoral students were nasty to me. They were just rude. And um, the clinic supervisor noticed that. And after a while, the clinic supervisor was like, why don't you just like follow me when I go in with the, the student, doc the, the doctor students, um, instead of going in with them on your own? <laughs> I was like, okay. And so I did. And, you know, the doctor, the supervisor would consult with me and be like, uh, so what do you think is going on with this person? I'm like, oh, well, I think it's this and this and this. She's like, I totally agree with you. What homeopathic remedy would go for them? I'm like, I have no idea. And she just went, okay. Any herbal? I'm like, I have no idea. And she, after a few because times you hadn't of this, gone through anything. No, right. I'm like, I have no but idea. How would you have known any of that? Right. Just going through. Okay. <laughs> and so she's just looking at me like, there's something wrong with me. And I'm like, okay. And, but she's agreeing with my like quote diagnosis or my opinion. And so then at the end of the, like at one point she's just like, what year are you? And she's like, I don't understand why you don't know the homeopathic remedies and the herbal remedies. And like, I'm like, oh, well, I'm a junior at Portland State University. And her jaw dropped open. And she's like, I thought you were a junior here at the naturopathic college. <laughs> I was like, no. And she's like, okay, when you're ready to come here, let me know. I'll write you a personal letter of recommendation. I'm like, okay, cool. And so then I still was wanting to explore it because that was not an ideal experience for me. And so I went to the school. But it was day. somewhat positive. It was positive reinforcement, yes. absolutely. But the experience with the, the, the other students people. was not ideal. So then I went back and um, went to their lounge area, and I was just like, hey, I don't go to school here. I just was wondering, like, it was my day off. I'm like, I was just wondering if you, I was thinking about coming here, if you would, like, be willing to talk to me about your experience here and what you think about going to school here. And all of the naturopathic students snubbed me, and all of the Chinese medical students were super nice. And why is that, like, you think? Like, looking back now. Looking why? back, I, well, I'll get to that. Okay. So they were just so nice and so excited and happy to talk to me. And I was just in the hallway at NUNM, and I'm like, what the heck? And then I simply just sat there, and I asked myself, well, what about Chinese medicine? And my whole body started to vibrate. And, like, I got disoriented, like like somebody was, like, shaking me. And I was like, oh, okay, this is God's way of telling me I need to do Chinese medicine, not naturopathic medicine. So I have many naturopathic friends and clients that are naturopathic physicians and, and studying that medicine. They're all lovely people. I just think my personal experience needed to be that. Okay. So I could figure out okay. where I needed to okay. go. That's how the perception of it coming through right. to lead you in the direction that you needed to Right, okay. right. And so then from there I went what, to natural. What I love about that too, Autumn, is that that really focuses on energy and energy flowing through your body. And mm -hmm. you being so energy focused mm -hmm. outside of bodies, I think that really pairs up really, really nicely. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was something that I discovered even looking into it. So then, like, I started reading some recommended books to kind of get you kind of familiar with the medicine. And one is called The Web That Has No Weaver. And it's all about traditional Chinese medicine. And as I was reading, I'm like, oh, this this supports this belief system. This supports this belief This supports my experience. Like, everything was just, like, a validator when I was reading the book. I'm like, yeah, I'm totally going into Chinese medicine. Yeah. 
So. I remember when you were finishing and you were super stressed and you were oh, like studying like crazy. And it was it is that was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. My degree is technically six credits shy of a PhD. Yeah. Um, but it's not a PhD, so that's what it is. Yeah. So, is this your sole contract? Oh wow, that's a great question. Is um, there more to your sole contract? A, Have you not fulfilled it yet? I. I haven't fulfilled it yet. I have an idea about my soul contract is as far as like being here incarnate. Um, I know my path is to be a healer. Um, which we already know you're doing. Right, which I'm actively doing. Yes. I know that I have more to do and I have many other projects that I have like conceptually birthed but have yet to put them into like a physical world. Um, but I had a, a, a memory in meditation come back to me where I was in outer space looking at the earth and I was part of a, a group called the Galactic Federation in this meditation and this is as humanity was starting to 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 come onto the surface of the earth for the first time and there was a masculine energy to my right and a feminine energy to my left and we were communicating telepathically and the, the masculine energy says to me telepathically do you know what you just signed up for and I said yes and the female energy says telepathically to me, will you repeat to us what you're committing to so that we all know what you're committing to? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I promise to be there for the duration. Looking at the fire. That's pretty big. And I was just like, and, and in memory, I'm like, I just signed up to be on earth as a human being. To the end. From the conception to the end. And I was like, Oh my god, like it makes you tired ooh. right away. Like there's no rest in between. You're just busy. I mean, you don't just come back and back when yeah. you have a you have some reprieve, right? But I'm like, you know, a lot of people that I know are like, I'm not coming back to this planet. This is my last life. I'm done. And I'm like, I remember that commitment. I remember that oath. I remember that moment. And what I felt in that commitment and I have to tell you, I'm excited. <laughs> I can remember why. Like, I can't articulate it, but I remembered the reason, the feeling of the reason why I made that commitment. But I remember the knowing of why it was so important. Yeah. And I remember how it was just a, a gift to come down and be here. And, and to be able to remember from that plane of consciousness that excitement, it, I think, has been a huge blessing for, for me anyways. Yeah. So so how did that change you, Autumn? Obviously, this is, like, so hard for my brain to wrap around <laughs> in just accepting it. How, from that point on, did that change your outlook and your determination here as you're going towards your life purpose? in this lifetime? Honestly, not a tremendous amount because at the time that I had that remembrance, I was already in a good space. I was in my last year at, at Chinese medical school, my, my practice as a, as a healer and a psychic and a, a spiritual practitioner was thriving. Um, I had great friends and my relationship with my family was solid. Um, I was happy. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, things like 
you know, COVID-19 and, and, and all of the, the distress around the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, the political environment and, and what's happening to our planet. I mean, all those things are incredibly stressful. And if you spend too much time in any of those, it can bring anybody down. But I, I remember that there's beauty in those things because those are the catalysts for change. And so even though they're hard and they're disenchanting and they're, they're just downright awful, you, you, have to, you have to unearth what's not working in order to fix it. So I just wow. kind of look at it from that perspective. It's like, you know, everything of value, everything worth having is, is worth work. Okay, so take this as a compliment, but um, Leslie, are you feeling a little small, like we need to step up our game? (laughs) I think we just have more work to do. That's exactly (laughs) all it is. Yeah, I just think that we, too, can figure out, I mean, I don't think I signed up for a life, a whole, like, (laughs) maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe that's why we're here, Melissa, but we all have something, and maybe we just need to figure out what what our soul contracts were and what our... What's the big picture? I do want to talk about your services that you provide here. Okay. How people can get a hold of you. Okay. Where you're exactly located or okay. the best way to make an appointment with you. Got it. Um, so mm, my professional home is currently at 4004 South Kelly Avenue, uh, Suite 106, Portland, Oregon, 97239. Excuse me. Um, my uh, cellular number is 503-709-6226. Um, I have one website, but I have two different URLs to it. So you can go to autumnedwards.com, which will show up as anahatamedicine.com. So anahata is uh, Sanskrit for the heart chakra. So that's A, N as in Nancy, A, H as in Henry, A, C as in Timothy, A. Um, And the best way to make an appointment is to go to my website and just schedule online. It's super easy. It's like three clicks and you're done. Um, and are they signing up for a very specific appointment or is there like, I don't know what I want. Just sign me up for an hour or however. Right. Um, at the moment, and I'm going to be going through some, um, professional evolutions in the next month. Um, so right now it's either, um, acupuncture by itself or all the services. And since it's hard to know what a person needs, like I don't expect them to be able to cherry pick what they want. So just like you come here, we'll figure it out when we get here. Um, Are they all basically the same amount of time? So um, they can shift depending on that. At the moment, they're they're um, slotted for an hour, and then I buffer a half an hour in between each appointment, so we, there's time if we need more time. Um, one of the the evolutions is that I'm going to start staggering patients. Um, so that I have more of a work-life balance as well as see, be able to make myself more available to people. Um, and so I'm going to make the appointments about 80 to, to 90 minutes. And so I'm going to turn over my treatment rooms every 90 minutes and I'll be with a person for a half an hour and then I'll go be with another person for a half an hour and then I'll come back and finish up for a half an hour and then back for a half an hour. So people will get a full hour of devoted service from me. It's just going to be for like one half an hour during that hour and a half time span I'm going to be in another room with somebody else well if you're doing acupuncture they have to sit anyway right and so I'm going to be getting things like biomax 
Um, I'm going to be getting red light therapy so um, people can put that over their face and have like collagen genesis. Um, I'm actually just got trained in micro micro needling, so uh-huh. for cosmetic purposes. So I'm going to bring that into the mix. So um, you you really have a unique um, practice. Are you yeah, training yeah. others? Because I think there's really something here to this. I, I really applaud you. I feel like why has nobody else thought of this? But are you training others to f- kind of follow in your footsteps? Because like, we would be like in your class. <laughs> Not yet, but so part of part of what I'm doing is I'm, I. Then, so I wrote a book in my brain 10 years ago, and I finally started putting it down on, quote, paper about seven months ago. And so I'm in the process of writing my book, and it's a text. Basically, it's it's a textbook for, for this stuff. And so it's my my textbook for this. And so For psychic stuff or mm-hmm. for, okay. Yeah. And um, I think I need that textbook okay. style. <laughs> Get it done. Yes. Okay. Um, so would yes. the workbook go along with it? Um, I will probably have to create one, um, okay. but I do plan on creating like a, a class module to match it. Um, I'm starting my own podcast, um, and it's going to be a plethora of um, my healing tone frequencies that I sing, um, guided meditations, educational. Um, uh, conversations, things like that. And it's really just, it's going to be focused really on like my experiences, what I've learned. And, um, if, if I even incorporate that for the moment, it's actually just going to be the healing tones that I do along with guided meditations, but I'm thinking about incorporating like discussions with, I don't know, maybe. One of the things that we're trying to do that, you know, Leslie is at the forefront of really pushing in our podcast is, um, opening people's eyes to other ways of thinking and um, the acceptance that Mm -hmm. there's other things and other abilities and other things we don't understand, but we want to learn about in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the, the beautiful way that that's coming through is that you're not discounting or dismissing any other um, thing in the process. You're not like saying, Oh, open to all. Right. You're not like saying, Oh, well that way is, is, not really viable because of this thing over here. You're like, no, these are all of the things. Yes. Well, and Autumn, to your point, I'm, I'm, I'm actually like in awe of all the different things and abilities and ways that people connect and how they connect and then how those things also connect. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, that's just awe inspiring to me. That just, <laughs> it just blows me away at, at these things. Well, and, and if you wanted to get really grand about it, it's all of those little things that you can kind of go, Oh, well, we're, we are all just each other. We all are the same thing. We're all from the same place. Like we are all connected and we're just like, you know, different actors in in the same play or, you know, we're just, we're just different things of the same thing. It's kind of like, you know, there's different species of apples and they're all amazing. Yeah. Just trying to get people to remember, Mm -hmm. remember where we came from. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to hear the whole interview with Autumn Edwards, you can do that by joining our patron on our website. Also, you can get in touch with her by going to her website, which is anahatamedicine.com. Thanks again for listening. Oh, and one last thing. If you want to join the Suzanne Jocka show next week, you can also sign up for free on our website. There is a page. It's called the Suzanne Jocka show. Go ahead and sign up there. Thank you.
Hey, Melissa, what kind of bras do you wear? Oh my gosh, I wear handful bras. Tell me why you love them so much. You talk about them all the time, and I just want to understand what is so great about them. Well, I love them because they're comfortable. They are not constricting, so I can still like breathe and move around. And I like to do yoga too, and I like to stretch. And I do not like a bra that is just like sucking me in so that I'm so flat and can't breathe. I love the patterns. I love the different styles. Right now they have this really cute like teal color and they've done a couple patterns in it too. And they have this wavy one, which I can't even remember the name because they have absolutely adorable names for these things, but they have the adjustable bra, which is their classic. They have the closer bra, which is great for people like you that have a little more than a handful. It's got the two little hooks and then it zips up. And my favorite um, pattern right now is the ripple effect is what it's called. And then I love the double down, which is a really cute new style that they have. And I love their leggings because I think they made them for me because they're so long and they have a cute camo legging that I wear all the time. I have those too. Brandy gave me a pair. Oh my gosh. I, I love have to say, I have a, like a bunch of handful bras. I could not find them. And I found them in my daughter's room. She wears them all the time and they are so cute. She almost could wear them as swimming suits. In fact, I think she does. Like she'll sunbathe yep. in them because they are so cute. And I love when she wears like her tank tops, but you can see the bra strap kind of through it because they have the really cool crisscross and different designs. You can adjust them however you want. And uh, I just think they're very flattering. Yeah. And you got your first one. How How's your first one? I love it. No, I, I had them in the past. And then, you know, for me, I needed a little bit more. And then they came out with this new one with the extra zip in it. And it really makes a big difference. And I love that it, it actually gives you two, not just one. And that's always been a problem in the past. You just get this like one mono boob. I actually still have two when I wear this new design that you had given me. So thank you, Melissa. You're so welcome. Well, we do still have a handful code as I recall. We still do? I think so. If not, we'll get That's it updated. That's like percent off. Why aren't people buying these off the shelf? I don't know. I don't know. They should be. What is that code? Melissa, that, tell me. That code is Salon Sleuths. Gosh, you're putting me on the spot now, Leslie. I think it's just Salon Sleuths. If you yeah. go to the coupon code, it's just Salon Sleuths. Like, yeah. yeah. But, but you have to spell sleuths right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm part of this podcast and I spelled it wrong when I made your first tank top. It did not. I was thought that was so stupid of me, but how do you spell it, Melissa? You spell it S-A-L-O-N-S-L-E-U-T-H-S. Go to handful.com. Check them out. You'll be a fan for life. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.